0: Hi, I'm Hannah Durden and you're listening to the Outdoors Group podcast. This podcast is a call to arms to get children and young people outside again. It's your one-stop shop for all things outdoor, child, young person and education related. Thanks for tuning in. This week I'll be talking to one of the directors here at the Outdoors Group, Chevek Pring. We'll be chatting about why he thinks we've reached a tipping point, a time where we need a major shift in our culture surrounding outdoor education, getting children and young people outdoors and rethinking our approach to learning. Hi Shiv, thanks for joining us.
1: Hi Hannah, nice to be
0: here. <laughs> um, so you've spent your entire career, almost 20 years in education, at first in schools and at colleges and then through the Outdoors Group. What change have you seen during that time and why do you think outdoor education is more important now than ever?
1: Um, so, uh, there have been big swings both ways in the <laughs> time I've been in education. Um, it started out with the national curriculum being very prescriptive. Um, we saw a slow decline in the arts and drama and music and... And um, sports as well? Um, less so, because sports Ooh. kind of shifted to BTEC, so okay. they kind of existed, but not in the same way. Yeah. Um, And then that all kind of started to come back in. Um, You know, obviously it was Tony Blair's big thing, wasn't it? Labour was all about education, (laughs) education, education. Um, And then it took a massive nosedive under Michael Gove, who has done himself no favours with anyone in education, (laughs) (laughs) whatever your political persuasion. Um, I think, really... um, it's interesting in in England in particular, there's been this kind of backlash and this kind of going back to learning by rote and this quite prescriptive mm. model. But if you look at uh like Wales and Scotland, they're incredibly progressive in the way that they're putting uh outdoor education into the sports curriculum in primary schools okay. and they've got kind of specific policies for outdoor learning um and they've really kind of pushed those. Uh, a lot more in recent years, yeah. and England has started to catch up, yeah. which is nice. Um,
0: Why do you think it's taken England longer to catch up?
1: Uh, uh, partly government policy. Yeah. Um, I think it is. Um, it's easier to just be kind of. Uh, quite prescriptive from central government in england whereas devolved government has a bit more leeway and and changes a bit more dynamically Mm. so i think it's just the kind of size of the system to some extent um there is definitely a, a switch in people's mindset towards what outdoor learning can do we've seen like the rise of forest school uh, you, you can't talk to a teacher now who doesn't know what forest yeah. school is, and it's become mainstream. <laughs> Which is not the case, like, even ten years ago. No, absolutely not. Um, no, that's been a, a real shift, and people are a lot more aware of the benefits of being outdoors. I think you know we've got a, an obesity epidemic yeah. in primary aged learners. We've got mental health ec- epidemic. Mm we've had everyone
0: and rickets coming back or scurvy or something yeah,
1: yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's it's got ridiculous in some places i um, i read somewhere that in california there there are doctors prescribing dirt pills because people's <laughs> home and school environment is too, too clinical clean. and yeah. clean it's uh, their, their immune system suffering yeah so we've clearly we've gone, got wait, to yeah. kind of the balance a little bit um, yeah. and i think people are aware of that you've got people like Richard Louvre, who's writing about um, kind of the nature connection and and how important it is that we we reconnect with the planet around us. You know, we've got bestsellers like The Secret Life of Trees that has has kind of captured the imagination. People are starting to realise that we can't see ourselves as distinct from the ecosystem we live in. We're part of it. Absolutely, (coughs) we are, yeah. Um, I think climate change has been a big wake up call around yeah. nature. You know, there is no planet B. We we've got to look after what we've got. And I yeah. think certainly for the younger generations, there is a huge kind of weight behind climate change. It it, it weighs on their minds and, mm. and it's a big topic of conversation. Um my boys both talk about it a lot. And, yeah and that's not just from me and my passion. That's no. coming from school as well yes, and their friends. Yeah. It's it's Same. clearly kind of my little one said I'm
0: not going to have a car on a mold because it's bad for the environment. I'm going to go everywhere a bike. That'd be nice if you can manage it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But there is this kind yep. of this the consciousness of it, and yeah. and and that is that's all to do with a, a kind of return to that connection with nature and, and the importance of seeing ourselves as part of the whole. Yeah,
0: and do you think um well, we can't really go without mentioning COVID? Do you think that's had an impact on yeah, people's I think so. desire for outdoor ed?
1: I think, well, it's hard to be locked in the house for days and weeks (laughs) on end and not want to go outside. So I think definitely there's an element of that. I think um, government policy around uh, how many people can meet in Mm. what spaces and the fact that it's been safer to meet outdoors has certainly... um, I don't think it's steered the way people teach or, no. or what they're teaching but it has opened a lot of teachers eyes to the fact that they can use outdoor spaces much more creatively for learning yeah and i think we are we're yet to see the full benefits of that i think that will remain a part yeah. of the kind of teachers toolkit going forward yeah. and they'll see that as a much more accessible option yeah than, than they have i think teachers often look at a space with no walls and kind of go everything I know about behaviour won't work. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, how do you do and, this when they're outside? I'm kind of nervous of it. Um, yeah. I don't think, I think COVID and the way that we've been teaching and, yeah, even, even the fact that we've been using, you know, Teams and Zoom and, like, online teaching, just thinking differently about how we approach teaching and being more innovative has kind of opened people's eyes to what is possible and yeah. how we can learn in different ways and in different
0: environments. Awesome, and so that's obviously kind of the benefits for teachers. But what do you think are the benefits of outdoor ed for the children and the young people themselves?
1: Um, well, there are there are multiple studies done on the the importance of being connected in nature for mental health. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a huge kind of part of it. That's that's both physical and mental. The uh, there's studies that have shown that the recovery rates of patients improve if they can see uh, a natural space. And that, that includes pictures or paintings of nature yeah. in the in the room. It doesn't even have to be kind of fresh air or outside <laughs> at all. Yeah, just, just seeing it. Anything yeah. to do with that kind of connection is is really important to that recovery and, and has a big impact. Um, so that's kind of mental kind of aspect of recovery. But there's also studies that show that there are... Um, there are bacteria in the soil that literally help you to generate oxytocin. Yeah. You know, they they improve your mood. So yes, uh, that yeah. actual physical connection with the land is, is also really important. Um, I think both of those are quite critical. Um, I also think that nature and being in nature does two other things for young people. One, it gives you... Um, like your roots it gives you a sense of place um and i think in the kind of the world that we live in that that's really important you know you can access the 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 entire kind of collective human knowledge on your phone you can, <laughs> you can talk to people across yeah. the world with a click of a button you know we live in this global it's community. easy to get lost exactly yeah and actually just having that kind of grounding you know, and kind of understanding a place and being kind of rooted Mm. in it is is really valuable. Yeah. Um and I think it also um it provides young people and I think especially going into their kind of teenage years with um a kind of an accessible way into a sense of community. Yeah. Because often teenagers are seen as being slightly outside the kind of communal kind of aspects yes, of the way so, yeah, in,
0: the... in their bedroom on their phone exactly yeah. yeah
1: and I think actually when you kind of strip that away and you put teenagers outside and you sit them around a fire they they connect with each other and with themselves in a completely different way I mean I've seen huge benefits of people working through some really complex kind of issues and emotions for themselves yeah but by talking to the fire rather than than other people, yeah, and and being able to kind of use that space in that way I think is really beneficial yeah
0: feels quite secure doesn't
1: it yeah absolutely and we have this um we have a society now where there is no there's no rite of passage between being a child and an adult no we don't don't have that kind of we we don't build that in we don't celebrate that particularly and I think it's really important because I think you end up as a teenager with this kind of you you're you're still a child in some ways and you don't really understand what being an adult's about but you desperately want to be an adult yes yeah yeah. if you're kind of casting about for role models and you know a way to be yeah having that kind of space that is really about connecting with other people rather than and potentially
0: of, having adult role models there. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Steve Bidolf talks about that, doesn't he? Yeah, He's yeah, saying yeah, it's really it important to identify these
1: role models for kids. Hugely, definitely. But it's about that the outdoor space connects people, like person to person. Yeah. It's like that physical connection with the people around you, rather than casting about for influences and role models elsewhere, yeah. where you you only see a fraction of who they are. You know. Yeah. What what we represent to people through. you know our kind of public image or social media those kind of things is is by no means the full story and so you don't get the nuance of what it is to kind of be an adult and be a person you get these kind of you know in extreme cases you get um you know you get young men looking at role models online of how to be male which is like an incredibly kind of (laughs) hyper masculine yes yeah, yeah that kind, kind of, of toxic masculinity absolutely yeah, thing, yeah. And, then, and and actually by emulating that you miss out on the fact that actually you know men are emotionally complex men men cry men express their emotions mm. in all sorts of other what you, you you lose that by not yes. having that personal <clears> connection
0: yeah and, the and for the stuff. girls
1: you know they see everyone with their filters
0: and makeup and exactly everything and,
1: yeah and actually just being there with other people yes. in that space and, and kind of having that, that... Seeing someone
0: as three-dimensional.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I think that's really valuable, yeah.
0: From um, an educational point of view of being outdoors, do you think um, there's... kind of presents different ways of kids being able to learn as well, though, so, like, in a way that they can't in a classroom?
1: Yeah, definitely, mm. yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> I, I always think it's a bit odd that we think of outdoor learning as being kind of new or innovative or like <laughs> different you know we've we've had you know millennia where all we've done is teach people outdoors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last hundred years or so we've stuck people in boxes yeah. and taught them in a different way and now we suddenly see outdoor and actually being you, something yeah, different.
0: I was it's... saying if you look about why schools are started, it was very much due to the industrial revolution, wasn't it? Like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, just get them inside yeah. so that they can then be their factory workers and things like that. And Yeah,
1: and it's and it, I think it depends it depends what you see the function of education being. I yeah. think the that fundamentally the education system in this country was designed to educate people well enough to perform their function in society. Yeah. Yeah, it was this kind of cog in a machine and and it was based on the kind of factory model. Yeah. um, Because previous to that, it was, you know, you were educated through um, religious orders or if you had enough money. So it was a very elitist Yes kind of enlightenment kind of view of education you learned the classics and poetry and latin and it was all very kind of esoteric and then it became about this kind of function of society which is why we teach people in age groups is batch production yeah because
0: nowhere of, else in your life do you spend uh, like days and days with 30 people the same age as you it's just bizarre yeah to, uh...
1: absolutely but it is that factory principle yeah, yeah it, um and if that's how you see education, then that system works. Yes. And so if, if you sit with that paradigm, then you will not be able to see beyond the classroom. Yeah. But if you if you start to look at education um, more as it was pre the national curriculum. Yes. Um, as something much more holistic. And actually, it's about how do we help learners to become who they who they want yes yeah like follow their passions follow follow their find their
0: potential yeah
1: yeah absolutely and see them as a whole person Mm. and and actually your job as an educator then is about facilitating their journey of discovery rather than teaching them a specific set of skills or knowledge that's going to help them in society in a particular way you're not putting them into a box no so you don't need a box for them to kind of fit into yeah yeah, because that's not the point exactly so you kind of take the classroom away at that point and the potential becomes huge because actually you're you're allowing like the whole of human experience to be part of your learning and and you're going on a journey with them yeah and so being out of a classroom at that point is is actually massively beneficial
0: yes yeah yeah. Yeah. how how do you think we can adopt these kind of Oh, the vog- vocational, sorry, can't talk today, and the hands on approaches that we did do in the past. How do you think we can adopt them again today? Because it was m- interesting you mentioned about the national curriculum. I read a memoir of a teacher who was teaching when the national curriculum came in, and it was so sad reading about how much she loved teaching, and then it slowly, you know, won't right, meet this standard, meet this standard, and she ended up leaving because of the introduction of the national curriculum. Um, and I thought, well, it's interesting to think, what can we adopt from the past to, yeah, not yeah to to help kids find their potential and not be in these boxes um i don't
1: i i think there is a there's an element of looking backwards but there's there's a lot more about looking forwards okay really i don't i think yeah. You know you think the, it's not necessarily helpful to try and look back too much no i don't because i think if you go back to you know we have this kind of um this this kind of ideological view of oh you know the national curriculum was great and it standardized everything and it raised standards for everyone in education or pre national curriculum was great there was this freedom and this kind of creativity to to explore learning in a different way but what we really need to be doing if we if if our job as educators is to go on that journey with a learner and allow them to maximize their potential in the areas that inspire them we need to be looking forward and so we need to be looking at not what education is fit for purpose now mm. we need to be looking at what it, what education is fit for purpose in 20 years time when they're going to be productive happy healthy mental yes. society what do they need to know yeah. and they don't need to know anything in the way that they would have previously yes yeah the internet has changed yeah. the, the whole way that we we work there are entire industries and, and and jobs that never existed before, yes. new jobs all the time, you know, that we don't exist in this same world no. where you learn a skill set, you stay in a job, you go up the kind of corporate chain and you retire. Yeah. And, and you maybe have one job in one company. I was about for, to say, because it's quite life, unusual you know? now for people to
0: suspend their whole career in one company, exactly. which is what our parents' generation did, right? I'm working in this company and that's it until you yeah. leave. But...
1: So actually what people need to know is how do i how do i critically analyze yeah the, the information i've got you know how do i actually kind of interpret data yes effectively how am i able to um communicate with other people collaborate you know team working and team building problem solving um you know kind of lateral thinking yeah so we're starting to so-called soft skills exactly and and what that does is it allows someone to then follow what they want to do dynamically without yep. you having to give them the subject knowledge. They can arrive at that themselves yep. because they've got a skill set to interpret and understand and research yes, that knowledge Yes, yeah, yeah. and themselves. all the
0: knowledge is out there, so they don't it, necessarily exactly. need us to exactly give it to that, them in
1: the a yeah. book. The trouble with that is it, it, it really doesn't fit with the national curriculum model because it's incredibly hard yes, yeah. to, to, to benchmark in any way yes. that really the The benchmark for truly effective learning is actually ten years after they. Yes. Get <laughs> yeah, we should be going time machines. We know we've done our job right when they're in their mid thirties and they're happy, yes. healthy, productive, well rounded.
0: Which comes back again beings, to you know. what do you think education's for? Like. sorry about that that was a phone call that managed to cut off the recording um I can't remember what we were saying I think we were saying oh yeah it goes back to what you think education is for and whether you're just trying to say all right I want you to have 10 GCSEs or whether you're actually saying is the purpose of education for them to be happy healthy you know productive members of society um which kind of leads me on to my next question I guess but I'm yeah. oh, sorry what
1: The answer is obvious to me. At at least, I I don't see that. I I don't. There is there is no value to me educating someone for my benefit. Yeah, it has to be for them. Yeah, and so you have to look at them as being uh, a human being and what's going to be best for them in the future. And that has to be. You know, your your end goal has to be: Are they? Are they happy and healthy? Are they able to engage with society? Are they able to have a, a skill set and uh, a, a, an emotional intelligence to cope with the life they're going to live? Yeah. If you're not doing that, then you're not actually educating them for their own benefit. No. And so, for me, at that point, education becomes redundant. Yeah. Because you're not, you're trying to you're trying to educate people to fit into uh, a system or a box or you know, someone else's objectives, which I, I don't see how that serves the 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 continuous improvement of society into the future, yeah well that being that. Sense no to me.
0: no. Which kind of leads me on this, I was going to say, I think it's fair to say that there are thousands of really amazing teachers out there. Absolutely. Uh, working really hard, but the national curriculum and educational system in its current form is really restrictive and one size fits all, which is obviously to the detriment of many of these, many kids whose model of education just doesn't suit. Um, if we're thinking about how, what we want education to do, what changes would you like to see to our current system and how do you think we can reshape education to be more varied in approach, to more inclusive and to have these kind of outcomes that we were just talking about? It's a big question. <laughs> it is a big question,
1: yeah. Um, first thing, I totally agree. There are, there are thousands of amazing, passionate, dedicated yes. teachers out yeah. there who are doing a, an amazing job. And I, I wouldn't want anyone to come away from this podcast thinking that the national curriculum is completely rubbish no, because no. for some learners it is, is brilliant it
0: works well yeah
1: the the issue that we have is that there are oh uh, well, I think there are three issues one is that we're not holistic enough so mm. we're not looking at the whole person we have kind of stripped education back to what we can assess and that's to the detriment of education and to the detriment of how we are helping learners engage with other aspects of their lives and, and the world around them. I think we also have um, a, a, a like a one size fits all. Yes. The national curriculum doesn't provide enough breadth. No. To suit all learners. No. And, and that is a problem. You know. So you have, you know, you have these kind of the, the gifted and talented, the high achievers who yes. are, you know, not reaching their potential. And you have um, learners with, uh, with disabilities um, or with kind of complex personal lives or, you know, kind of other things going on in their lives that aren't able to engage with it. And yeah. so they don't learn to their full potential yeah. either. So we're only hitting this kind of bandwidth in the middle. Yes, yeah, fair, yeah. Um, and I think the third thing is that we don't we don't look at... Difference as being a positive. No. So the whole education system with the national curriculum is designed around this conformity. You know, the the, the, the concept of school league tables to me is just utter madness. <laughs> like why would you make children do assessments so that the school is ranked in a table of other schools yes yeah uh, like how does that help the learner yeah like you're assessing them for completely the wrong thing it, yeah it, it, and then you've got more pressure on the teachers more yeah. pressure on the kids and, and what happens is you're supposed to be trying to raise standards but what actually happens is you just create this um this this academic system that is designed around conformity yes because what happens is in order to get uh, further up the league table you have to do exactly what other schools do but a bit better (laughs) so you're just on this kind of continuous improvement against other schools schools, as your benchmark without any concept that that might not be the best approach yeah do you know what i mean yeah and often at the
0: uh, detriment
1: of the kind of welfare of both teachers and kids yeah absolutely you know and i think actually we need to start really looking at what what can we do to make education more creative? Yeah. You know, how do we celebrate the the differences and the diversity yeah. in in schools? You know, both different models of schooling, but also different styles of teaching within schools. Yeah. You know, let's let's actually start to be a bit more creative and innovative and celebrate that. And you could do that and keep the national curriculum. Yeah. But you then provide choice. So you then have this option of actually you know, my, my child is very academic and, yeah. and this kind of very kind of learning by rote, kind of classical curriculum education works for them, mm. fantastic that should absolutely be part of the offer for those learners yeah. that that suits but then the learners that are far more vocational and hands on yes. should have a, a an outdoor experiential offer where they can and learn more effectively yes, and yeah. the, the kids that are more creative should have the option to go to somewhere that is more creative and and what we're doing is we're kind of all of those different schools that are trying to build excellence in different curriculum areas yeah. are all in a system that's forcing them to conform yes. rather than celebrate the fact that they're doing something yeah. kind of innovative and creative and and I think that's a big part of the problem you don't have to get rid of you know the, the the framework by which you assess you just have to assess the right things and provide space for the bits that you're not assessing yes and, and recognize them as having value yeah
0: and i think i mean there's obviously been a lot about testing isn't there recently like they were just talking about introducing this new sort of phonics test in reception or year one like kind of what's your thoughts on the uh uh increase of testing
1: of like primary school kids um well it, it's similar to the the whole kind of ranking system for yeah. schools. I just don't see um the only for me, the if you're going to look at a learner and their journey through education as being holistic and person centred and see the outcome as them reaching their potential as an individual, yeah. then the only testing that makes any sense to me is the testing that measures their progress against themselves? Yes. If you start measuring learners against other learners or yeah. schools against other schools, you're measuring the wrong thing. Which is something it's that about their progress yeah. in and of themselves. You know, here is a benchmark of where they are. Have they improved on that? Yes. Because that's really, if they have improved, you know, if they have, if if that distance travelled is there for that learner, then the education has been successful yes. you know, to a greater or lesser degree yeah, depending on yeah. how far they progress. But it, but you're moving in the right direction. That's the point. It could yeah. be quite a simple concept, but I think it's not one that people get. Like I was, I
0: was trying to explain to my 12-year-old, I was doing a race in December, and she said, oh, you might win. And I said, well, I definitely won't win because I know that there's people running there that are much faster than me. And she said, well, that's not a very good attitude. And I was trying to explain to her, I was like, I'm racing about against my previous self. Like, that's my goal. But yeah. it's, a, it's a hard concept for to grasp isn't this idea of actually yeah just
1: yeah compared to your your previous self rather than yeah that. no absolutely and and i think in, in a lot of ways that is um it's not helped by the way society has moved with things like social media because yeah. actually there's this this external mm. locus of control it's all about how many people are watching me, how much have I been viewed, how many yes, likes have yeah. I got. It's all external. It's all this, I need this feedback yeah. from my environment. Well, you see, like, four-year-olds so, these days being like,
0: film me, film me. And it's like, oh, exactly. I'll just
1: watch you. Yeah. you don't have yeah, to yeah. film no, you. Exactly. But and it's this actual, Yeah, it, 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 it's only valid if I'm getting this feedback yes. back from my environment. Yeah. Whereas the, the, the testing I'm talking about is much more internal. Yes. You know, that, that locus of control in you going actually... How far have I got, mm. and 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 so we need to kind of shift the thinking to, you know, it's not about what's the point in doing this bit of education, or how is it going to benefit me? Yeah, you know, you know, what is the you know, what am I going to get back from yeah. my environment by doing it? it? It it needs to be much more about um, I'm doing it because I want to, yeah, because I'm interested, because actually there's. There's a value to to me personally to to follow this line of inquiry or to push myself in this yeah. direction, and I think when we start to move back to that kind of thinking, you start to you know you obviously won't completely but you 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 go a long way to eliminating a lot of the the mental ill health around school yeah because where is the level of anxiety around your performance at school if you're only measuring yourself against yourself? Against yourself, yeah. Yeah? yeah. So you, you you start to eliminate this environment that is kind of toxic to some learners and, yeah. and causing them anxiety and, yeah. and creating issues. And you're also liberating people um, by saying, actually, you're, you're in control of your learning. Yeah. You know, you're, you're responsible for how you're going to steer your way through this yeah and a really good example of how that works really effectively is through through project based experiential learning where it's kind of it's hands on and it's it, you know everyone is contributing to a project yes but everyone can contribute to that project in a way that in is a way that for them, sense. Yeah. so so they're coming from a position of strength so you don't have a barrier to learning because you have someone who goes i'm really good at art you know, I'll make a poster for the project, yes. or, or I'll do the paint. Yeah, I'll decorate yeah. it, or whatever it is. You know, they, they're coming from a position of strength. You've got this peer-to-peer learning where they can mentor other people in the project to help them yeah. improve their skills, and they will have the same from other people who are bringing their own expertise. Yeah. And so they will naturally improve their learning in other areas where they're weaker because they're collaborating on the project. Yeah, and that's how that's how work is. You know, we we have this crazy system in education where we go you're going to be tested on it you're not allowed to speak to anyone you're not allowed to look at the back of the book you're yeah. not allowed to ask for help. which doesn't happen only about what you, yeah. if you sat at a desk at work and didn't do anything for two weeks and your boss came and said why haven't you done anything he said I didn't know what to do and I didn't think I could ask for help and I didn't know that I could look up the information to find out what I needed to do and I didn't know I could ask the guy next to me who knows how to do the job Yeah. you get the sack. Yeah. we're not setting people up to no. to to work in the, no. in the same way as we're educating them. Yeah. there's this mismatch. And yeah. it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. No. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it like that. But yeah, you're right.
0: You're not allowed to take a textbook in or do any
1: other stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you go to work and you need help with something, you, you go are and someone. find someone yeah. who's good at doing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and you collaborate. Yeah. that's, that's yeah, how you skills. Do it. Yeah. Why would we not be doing that from age four or five yeah. when we go into school? Like, you know, ask the person who's good. Yeah. Get, get them, them to help, help you. Yeah. Yes. And then you get better, and you achieve something. And then they've
0: learnt as well because they've learnt about how to skill share and
1: absolutely, yeah.
0: And yes.
1: a byproduct of all of that is you've learned a lot about, you know, negotiation, communication, teamwork, problem solving. Yes. All of those soft skills yes. are just inherently part of that system because yeah. you are working with other people. Yeah. And so those soft skills have to be developed. I think they need renaming,
0: don't they? Because uh, soft skills makes it sound like well, it's not that important, but actually they're the things that are essential. Absolutely they are, uh, yeah. Um. I will we're winding down but my last question was just in terms of the changes you'd like to see to our current system we've talked about it quite a lot but in terms of outdoor education would you like it to be I mean it's not mandatory is it in any schools at the moment do you think that's something that should be um obviously not to put constraints on schools but do you think it should be something that is an essential part of the kind of school life yes I absolutely do and do you think that um uh do you think that most Subjects like traditional maths, English, science can be outside. Or do you think there's limits to, to that? Obviously, not like um, chemistry. Well, I guess you could. Yeah, maybe I think. Do chemistry I think so.
1: actually, you can teach anything yeah. outside. Yeah, there is no reason it needs to be in a classroom. Yeah, um, yeah, there are there are creative ways and innovative ways of doing anything outside. Mm. I think the real value of being out of the box that is a classroom is the the freedom that it gives you and so I would like schools to be able to break down those subject barriers in the same way when they're in an outdoor space yeah. so rather than taking maths outside let's make the outside space somewhere where we are breaking down the the walls of those subjects yes. I, I worked with a learner um, as a one-to-one um, who he absolutely loved statistics Okay. Brilliant. Sat there. I, I barely had to do anything. He absolutely <laughs> loved it. But you sit in a maths class and he'd kick off yeah. and I'd have to take him out after 15 minutes. It was almost identical subject material. Yes. But it was the, the, the label and the, the the fact that he saw them as different. Yes. You know, I don't like maths. I do like statistics. Yes. I think that artificial barrier that we put in around learning is is not always helpful. No. So I think... Allowing that kind of freedom across the the different subjects, which is also is all... another
0: benefit of project based learning, right? Because absolutely, they link yeah, to yeah, us. yeah,
1: completely, yeah. And that's absolutely. probably another podcast
0: think... in in discussing project based learning and yeah, its merits. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that the other the other really important thing that I think we we need to address both the mental health and the obesity epidemic, yeah. that is is running through this country is we absolutely need to make sure that kids in school are growing their own food okay i think it's yes it's it's a fundamental part of learning and connecting with the land around us and and how we exist on this planet it's a very basic fundamental part of everyone's lives yeah and we don't do enough to allow people to connect with no. their food in a way that is really meaningful and i think that disconnection with food is is a big part It's a big the, problem yeah and yeah. knowing what's in season and what's actually yeah locally and... absolutely you know and it's it's no good just kind of calorie counting it doesn't no. that doesn't give you a real understanding of no. kind of how food works no i think it's a it's really fundamental that we we get back to people understanding that in a, in a much a much more serious way yeah
0: Awesome. Oh, well, thanks for your time today. I'm just going to finally ask you, I'm going to ask all our podcast guests these three questions, uh, just for a bit of a light finish, which is, uh, first of all, how do you
1: relax? Um, I try to go to the gym three times a week. That's yep. the aim. I don't know to <laughs> um, And just recently, I've been getting quite into wild swimming as well. Have you uh, managed to keep it up over the winter? So I went on Boxing Day and New Year's Day, and I also went for a swim on Tuesday. Oh, so, nice! Yeah. So you're doing it? Yeah,
0: yeah I read somewhere I'm that not I'm staying in to... very long. It's <laughs> <No. laughs> <That's laughs> quite cold. Um, I think it's in single digits, isn't it?
1: Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been good though. I, I've, it's definitely um, it's made me feel good, refreshed, resets you. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm really enjoying
0: it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, What are you reading or listening to right
1: now? I'm reading um, a trilogy by Philip Reeve. He's a local author, lives on Dartmoor. Okay. Um, And it's the, do you know the Mortal Engines? No. Uh, There was a big Hollywood film about it a couple of years back. But that's a quartet. Yes. This is like a prequel okay so it's like the build-up to that kind of fantasy universe that he creates a bit of
0: escapism from your day-to-day life yeah
1: yeah (laughs) it's it's good it's um i don't often get a chance to really engage with a book for a long period of time um and these are quite short books so i tend to be able to go i've got an afternoon and an evening and i'll just Read the one. Read it I'm in one sitting. I just sit there for like <laughs> three three hours and just just read it, and, and then surface prayer at the end. Yeah, which is nice. It's yes. um, It it feels like mindfulness. It's that yes. same kind of
0: focusing on one thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and also I do a lot of climbing, and I get that same.
0: same yeah, you can't think about that. anything else when you're trying to make sure you're staying on the yeah, wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh,
1: listening to. Um, are we talking kind of music Uh, or or
0: podcast either just whatever's
1: um, kind of engaging at the moment um i am a big fan of um in our time yeah melvin bragg i've been going through all of the archives of those recently (laughs) Um, nice i just i love being able to just kind of have that like 40 minutes on something yeah but it's just you know it's a bunch of experts all talking about it you get a really in-depth little yes. window into the world it's, and it makes you quite, quite good in pub quizzes because you have lots of <laughs> extra information this is <laughs> true yeah
0: <laughs> and uh finally why is being outdoors important to you
1: um i think being outdoors is absolutely fundamental to being a human being um, I, I can't imagine not being outdoors. Yeah. Um, I think there's there's so many benefits. You know, there, there's mental and physical well being. Um, there's the sense of perspective that you get from being in a landscape. There's a sense of challenge and 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 a drive that you can get from pitting yourself against uh kind of nature and the elements which is a battle you will never win no but by going through that process you learn a lot about yourself yes uh, it's it's I, I find it's it's also a really creative space i do a lot of my thinking um i connect a lot of dots whilst yeah am awesome the on my same. Bike, actually. Yes, so and I'm... i just kind of allow my lo- mind to wander a little bit and, and i can't be the next big idea yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's uh yeah, it's really good for
0: that. Yeah, I often write in my head while I'm running, but then you have to get home and try and remember everything that you just thought over the last yeah. hour. Quick, get it onto paper. <laughs> brilliant. Oh well, thanks so much for joining us for the first podcast.
1: Oh, it's been a pleasure.
0: And uh, so I've enjoyed it. Well, I'm sure we'll chat to you again soon.
1: Yeah,
0: brilliant. Looking forward to it. Thanks very much.